My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning. And welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're all here. Just glad this morning, so I can be glad. Even though somebody came up to me this morning and said, what time is Vanderbilt playing in the SEC tournament this afternoon? I said, uh, boo, hiss, you know, all that. All right, so we are in uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12 this morning. So if you got your Bible, uh, open up to Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's a friend next to you that does. Um, and there's like a billion copies floating around, so there's that. Uh, so we'll ask the question that we ask each week. What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark that we have studied so far? So we'll pause here and see what is God doing in us through his word from the portion of Mark that we have studied so far. Yes, Dave? It's the same stuff, you know? The Sadducees, the Pharisees, we have the exact same groups now. Yeah, we, so Dave said, uh, for those of you online, uh, it's the same stuff. We have the exact same groups that we have uh, had in the Bible um, today. And I'll, I'll pause there for just a second and turn over. If you want to tell me what you just told me, that would be great. You got some friends that are actually Sadducees, and they are still around. Like Pharisees are still around, Sadducees are still around. There are some things we study in the Bible, and you're like, "Well, that's that was an odd blip of theological gymnastics." And there are a lot of things that they just hang around. and And I would argue that most of the stuff that we see in the Bible is still around. It might just be called another name. And it morphs and it changes and it adjusts over time. But these same heresies are still baking around. And it's, it's I'm going to say crazy. Um, it, is, it is lazy of the devil not to come up with new strategies. And it is incredibly uncreative. But they are still working very well. Which tells me and reminds me of how uh, dumb I am on a regular basis to believe some of these things so but there's that yes Dave so I, I cut you off halfway through but I, I was like oh we're gonna springboard so I, I can't tell you guys how much I enjoy actual interaction in Sunday school without a you know 60 second lag so it's great it's great I love you guys too but it's great <laughs> Yeah, the development department's weird. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yes, ma'am, I saw a hand, I think. Oh, I just was saying, we so 
Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, our, our humanity and our fallen nature and our uh, desire to accept anything other than the truth of God is still present, right? Anybody else? What is God doing in you through his word? <clears throat> yes, ma'am. We're still the light. The light. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we are still the light to those people because they are still in darkness. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think we'll actually see a glimpse of that in today's text. Maybe more than a glimpse. Maybe like Jesus pulling open the cape. and we, he, he is starting to get very direct and very bold. And, well, I'd argue he's been bold the entire time. But he's starting to get very plain with the truth that is being said. So, yes, Dave? I was going to say, I'm going to come back because you yeah, didn't finish it. So yeah. there we go. Is, is, is that uh, they didn't solve the problem either. <laughs> that that our, our current conversation in our country is to solve something yeah. and to finish it. Yeah. And it never got finished. Yeah. And it's never going to get finished because we're always going to be sinful. Yeah. And we're going to be dealing with this until Jesus comes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problems that we face are not problems that we can solve because we are insufficient to solve our own issues. Like this is, I would say that there are several themes as you look at the, across the entire Bible. The patience of God, oh my goodness, right? And the depravity of man and man's inability to resolve any issue that man has. Like stunningly, shockingly inability to do this, uh, which I would argue is in today's text as well. So. Amazing stuff. I'm glad we have a good God. I heard something good the other day. It was, uh, uh, God is holy. And because God is holy, that means God cannot sin. And if God cannot sin, he cannot sin against you. And that makes him the most trustworthy being in the universe. I was like, ooh, I like that. And what we see this morning is the Son of God demonstrating what a proper understanding of scripture actually is and a proper understanding of scripture exalts the son of God because that is who this all points to so we're in uh, Mark chapter 12 good morning to my friends online uh, Cheryl's at the beach that's cool Ronald dies here Julia Gregg's here Julia your family's in the room with me so they say hey they all perked up really big and waved it was great it's fantastic uh, Jessica and Nancy are here and Amy V is here fantastic thanks guys so we're in Mark chapter 12. Let's read through Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, but every time I read through a chapter, I, and I heard Bill Brandenburg talk about this a couple weeks ago. He was talking about uh, giving, devoting yourself to the public reading of Scripture. He said, when you read through the Scripture out loud in front of a group, he said, I just have this, this burning desire to stop and go, yeah, I want to talk about that right now. <laughs> And that's not what this time is. This time is just letting the word speak to us. So Mark chapter 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. And when the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. 
And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant. And they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent him to some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, and leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong, because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. 
and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting in money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came in, put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor woman has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Amen. Mark chapter 12. So last week, we started with verse 18 and walked through uh, basically what the Sadducees believed, a little history about them and their understanding, a little history about uh, the reference that they make to this horrible, very bad, no good story that they propose. Uh, you know, this concept that this poor woman had to endure seven brothers. I was talking to Day News and Brittany after the Sunday school class last week and kind of walking through a little bit more about this law that, uh, that God had set up in the Old Testament to help preserve the land that he had given to his people. And I, I made the comment uh, that I am so grateful that we are under grace and not under law because that was a difficult law, um, very, very challenging. And the Sadducees come and try to trick Jesus, obviously, right? Because this is, and, and in my mind, this is, this is almost the story of most of the interactions that Jesus has with individuals, certainly with all the religious individuals. It's, they come, they try to trick, he diffuses, he sends them away, he embarrasses them, they go on their way, he goes on his way, and they have not altered him from his call to go and to be the Savior. So we, we look and see that they, they ask this question, and they say, uh, you know, whose wife is she? Who, whose wife will she be? Because the seven had her as wife. So we end in verse 23 there. So this morning we'll pick up in verse 24. And, and Jesus said to them, Now, uh, what, is the, what is the common response that Jesus has when Jesus is asked a question? He asks a question back. So does he do that here? Yes. But have you ever responded to somebody's really stupid question with another question and then you didn't give them an opportunity to respond back? You're like, no, no, I'm just going to keep going. And that's what he's doing here. This is not a, we're not dialoguing now, we're monologuing, right? And this is going to be a beautiful exegesis of the Old Testament. So Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? So right out of the bat, so this is not one of those he's setting them up and it's a slow entry until the burn. It's, we're, we're establishing very quickly, you are wrong, here we go. Now, the wrong here is a very interesting word because it's a, it's a passive verb, which means something is happening to them to cause them to be wrong. And I, I believe this is connected to the next uh, phrase here. Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And this word for know is inactive. They were actively not knowing the scripture, which resulted in a passive wrongness. And when we actively look at the scripture and say, no, no, I reject that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say no to that. The outcome of this is going to be error, right? I mean, this, is, this, this shouldn't be a surprise or a shock to anybody. When I was studying this, I was like, oh, well, look at there. The verbs prove it too, so there we go. 
So is this not the reason you are wrong? This word wrong means to, to stray from the path, to, to deceive, even to mislead. There's some pretty strong verses elsewhere in Mark about this. Because you know not, this is a perfect tense, so this is completed action with the results continuing. So this is something that they have, they have done in the past, and this is continued to the present. Because you know neither the scriptures. Now, now let's pause for just a second. Because I just want to review really, really quickly. Do you remember what the, the Sadducees, like what was their core thing? What, was their, what were they all about? They were all about the what? The Torah. The, all about the Torah, right? It was just, I mean, this is the picture of their theological basis. It's the Torah. That's it. That's the whole thing. So when Jesus comes out and says, you know neither the scriptures, like, time out. You, you have poked me in the eye now. This is, this is not, uh, there's, a, there's one of the Psalms that talks about, don't mess with Israel. It's like poking God in the eye, right? And which I think that's just a bad idea fundamentally, poke somebody in the eye. But this is, he, he hit them where it hurts here. So this is, this is not, let's go to the next one. This is not, uh, whoops, is there, there we go. This is not the Pharisees' view, right? Which the Pharisees would say, yeah, there's the Old Testament, and that's good, and there's all other kinds of junk that we stacked on top, and we get error from this, and you know, this is it's not helpful. This is just law. So he says, you know, not neither, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, there's like 12 sermons in that nor the power of God. I'm not chasing that today. We will circle back to that when Jesus is on the cross because he's setting up some things that he's going to demonstrate his power in a way that is not anticipated. So we'll, I got to pause there for like six months and we'll, we'll come back, Lord willing. Verse 25. For, so this is assigning a reason, for when they rise. Now, Jesus uses the subjunctive here, which is the mood of possibility. It's not an indicative. It's not a for when they will rise. It's for, for when they rise. There's kind of a hint of question here. So he, this is a part of easing them into something. So for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry, this is an indicative, nor are given in marriage and indicative. So, so do you guys know what the difference is between marry or given in marriage is? Because those are two different things. Why are those two different things? Anybody know? Because the guy gets married, the woman is given in marriage. This is covering both the male and the female. Jesus is saying both men and women are in heaven. Like the resurrection is not just for men. Like this is a, this is a, a gender-based statement of reality here, which I think is beautiful because guys, gals, it's for all of us, <laughs> right? This is not a uh, one-size-fits-all here. So they rise from the dead. They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but, but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but are like angels or in that manner like angels. Now, bad English translations result in a lot of bad Facebook posts because of this verse. Right, so and so has uh, passed, and they're now an angel. They're not angels. That's not how this works. They're people, and that's wonderful that they're people, because I don't want to interact with a bunch of angels as family and friends that have gone on. But I want to interact with the people, right? Angels would be demotions. <laughs> I don't want to get demoted in the resurrection. I want to maintain my status. This is like that's a good thing. So, 
So the, 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 our loved ones, our friends, our family, our, our fellow brothers and sisters that move on, they do not become angels. They are in the manner of angels, in this one aspect of angels being that neither marry nor given in marriage. Now, you could tug on this string and sort of kind of make a case that there might be female angels. Because he says, neither marry nor given in marriage. And they both apply toward angels. I'm not tugging on that string. <laughs> but, but you could dive down a hole there. So we'll just leave that alone. <clears throat> this will be enough of a rabbit trail to make some of you mess with your heads for the next few weeks. So, Verse 26. And as for the dead being raised. Now, when I read this text... I read the verses before with a little bit of a softer tone, and I get to this verse, and I, I come at it a little harder, a little sterner, because this is a passive indicative. This is Jesus saying, there's something that's going to be happening to these dead that is a statement of fact. So here is where he is declaring, but as for the dead, being raised, the dead will be raised. Yes, this is good news. This is really good news. Have you not read in the book of Moses? Oh. Do you know what one of the requirements would have been to be a Sadducee? Especially a leader. Memorized the book of Moses. Right? So you just... Whenever I study these guys, I just have to go and do this thing. I had a Bible professor tell me to do this one time. It was super helpful. Like, just, just put between your fingers... Genesis through Deuteronomy. And just go, on command, quote any part. Without chapter numbers, without verse numbers, those didn't exist then. Those didn't come along for another 12, 1500 years. Just, just any part. The part about the bush. Oh, I know exactly which part you're talking about. Like, in my copy of the Bible, that's, that's a lot of pages. That's 325 pages. 325 pages on immediate recall. Mitch, you and I were just talking before Sunday school a minute ago, and you're talking about a young lady in our Cubbies program who had memorized all her verses and then done a little bit above and beyond. And I was like, that is fantastic. That is awesome. And the Sadducees would look at her and go, lazy. Right? Like, you don't have the whole book of Moses memorized. And I'm, I'm kind of beating this horse a little bit because think about the one thing that you are an expert in. Like, what is the one thing you are an expert in? That you are the person at your job, or the person in your family, or the person among your friend group, that they go to you for this thing. And then somebody coming up to you and going, Sean, you don't know anything about transplants. You know nothing about this. Nothing. Have you not read the most basic material on this? You, your response would be, Oh, no, I have. Yes, yes, I want to have a response time here, right? That would be my response. If you came to me and said, Jim, you don't know your times tables. <laughs> it has been a while. <laughs> so Daniel said, it has been a while. All right, I got to go piss on some more for that. This is what I have missed, you guys. Oh, my goodness. I have missed you. Has the Lord not been patient and kind and good through all of this? 
I'm going to break down one Sunday morning thinking about it. So just get ready. It's not going to happen. Well, it may happen today. I don't know, but it's incredible. All right, so verse 26. I want to make sure we're really crystal clear. Jesus believes in the resurrection. We got it? He is stating this as a fact. It is a beautiful thing. Raised from the dead. And as for the dead, as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses? Yes, they had. Uh, and if you want a reference here, this is Exodus chapter 3. In the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, spoke to Moses, saying, and this was interesting for me because the saying here is a present active participle. And in Exodus 3, we don't have evidence that God said this more than once. But Jesus' use of this verb implies that God may have told this to Moses more than once. And I kind of got to wonder, it kind of makes sense just from a, like, what? The bush? Like, what? The voice? What? I mean, it's on fire. And, like, there was a lot. That was a big day for Moses. Okay, just put your stuff in Moses' shoe. Well, I can't put your Moses took his shoes off. Uh, in his place. I mean, there's a lot going on here. Now, the Greek here is interesting because it might not be exactly what you think it is. Um, in some English translations, when words are added for English clarity, they are italicized. And this is actually, it is, it is likely my favorite thing about the New King James Version, that when they add a word for clarity, they'll italicize it. And I think it is my least favorite thing about the ESV that they, they don't tell you when they do it. They're not really transparent about that. And I get the reason why, because a bunch of italicized words in our culture right now sometimes means emphasis. And so you, you kind of get this, well, it means the opposite of what it did 20, 30 years ago, right? So it's just a, I don't have an answer. But the word am, A-M, in this verse is not in the Greek. And I went back and looked in the Hebrew. It's not in the Hebrew either right there. It's, it's in the Hebrew when God says his name, but in the Hebrew, it's I, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. It's totally irrespective of time, which implies a past, a present, and a future, which is the reality. Because there's a real sense in which right now, I am a child of God. There's a real sense in which in the future, I will be a child of God. And there is a real sense before the foundations of the world were laid that I was a child of God because my redemption was already secured and assured. And this is a beautiful, exceedingly complex statement of theology of the breadth of the ownership of God over his children. And I think it's gorgeous. So here's what he says. I, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, would the Sadducees have been aware of those words in the passage about the bush? Absolutely. They would also have been aware of what the common objections would have been to those words because they would have debated these things. They would have loved to debate and engage on this. So I want to show you a timeline real quick because the timeline helps to understand the gap between like where we are. I'll stand on this side. So uh, it, for me, it's helpful to think in really round numbers. I pulled all these from uh, Answers in Genesis website. And typically, when I have a question about Bible timelines, they are a uber conservative, not going to get too wild and crazy either way. 
And I would argue, I, I bet a nickel, you're probably within two, three, five years on any of these, which for our purposes right now, that's close enough. So if you believe that Isaac died in 1670, I'm okay with that, okay? I'm really, I, I, my Bill Brandenburg line, you can't make me care about that, all right? So I'm just not getting spun up. So Abraham died somewhere around 1776. Isaac dies in the 1670s. Jacob dies in the 1640s. Moses at the Exodus was 1446. We feel pretty dang good about that number. Like, that's a pretty good number. But even if Moses heard from God several years earlier, there's a 200-year gap here between Jacob and Moses when he has this conversation. So the Sadducees would have known this timeline very, very well. And Jesus is saying, when God said to Moses, 200 years after Jacob died, 230 years after Isaac dies, whatever that is, 330 years after Abraham dies, He's still, God is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That implies something that is true about the living status of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they are alive. At the time, God says to Moses, I am their God. Which proves the resurrection, <sighs> right? Exhibit A in the book that you care about, and you missed it. Do you not know the scriptures? Mm. Mm. So then he finishes, right, verse 27. He is not the God of the dead. Why is he not the God of the dead? Because he's the God of the living, right? <laughs> he's the God of the living. You get to pick one. You don't get to be the God of both. The devil is the God of the dead. Our God is the God of the living. There's a huge chasm between those two. You are quite wrong. This word for quite is a, a word of volume. It's like uh, you are much or many wrong or largely or often or mostly wrong. <laughs> they kind of were, right? A lot. And the wrong is the same word as earlier from to stray from the path. They have strayed from the path. And imagine telling somebody who's dedicated their lives to the Torah, you have strayed from the path of the Torah. Now, what do we know about what Jesus says here and how that did or did not impact their theology? Did it impact their theology? Did they all repent and say, we're wrong? No, they didn't at all, actually. They doubled down. They redoubled their efforts to go and to kill him. So, a couple applications and personalizations. Four, in fact, I've got. And I don't know if you guys have picked up on this. I try to number these in the order of, I'm going to make up a word, Chandley, obviousness. <laughs> I don't know. Like, these tend to be the, like, don't miss this one. Like, this is a big one. So application number one, the resurrection is real, right? This is a big deal. Yes, Daniel? The order of clarity. The order of clarity? Yes. No, the order of imp importance is wrong, too, because they're all true. Like, the order in which I want to make sure it's not missed. I don't find me a word that says that, the, word, the order in which they're not missed. Like, you, you got to, if you read through this, this one ought to be the one that you're like, duh, duh. yes. It's, I wanted to, I'm not trying to be dumb, right? But, duh, this is it. Yeah, the resurrection is real. All right, so, so personalization, I didn't take a drink. So the personalization, uh, John eleven twenty five. 25. 
John 11, 20. I don't do this very often. I like to stay in the book that we're studying. But John eleven twenty five. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So what do we do with the resurrection is real? I would say trust in the one who is the resurrection and the life. Like, the resurrection was giving the Sadducees a theology lesson on the resurrection. What should that have pointed them to? To Jesus and said, oh, well, like, here, here would have been a great inquisitive, eager follow-up questions from the Sadducee. What causes the resurrection? You're talking to him, <laughs> right? But no, none of that. They go and double down. So we have, we have options to respond when we're presented with truth, right? So application number one, the resurrection is real. Oh, wow, I got distracted. Barry speaking in tongues online again. I'm going to get in trouble if I try to pronounce that. Yep, nope. So the resurrection is real. So trust in the one who is the resurrection and the life. Uh, application number two, some questions are traps. Right? When you go and engage with pagans about uh, the Bible, about God, about Jesus, there will be questions that come back at you that are not always earnest and honest and inquisitive. There will be opportunities to cast pearls before swine. And, you know, what, what are we supposed to do there? I would say, uh, personalize, personalize number two, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Right. Jesus knew when to respond and how to respond. Because remember, who's also watching this? The disciples are watching this. They need a good resurrection theology lesson too. This is going to be important for them because he's not just saying this is some esoteric random truth that the universe can listen to. No, no, like these guys need to know that they're going to have to stake their lives on the fact that Jesus is the resurrection. Like this is the fundamental truth that changes everything for them, that he got up and is no longer in that tomb. So this is the theological point here. So application number three, uh, familiarity with the non-canonical can be helpful. Sorry, I couldn't make it any simpler than that. So if you knew about Tobit, let me say it another way. If you knew about Tobit, this story makes a lot more sense, right? So what do we do with that? I'd say read broadly, but read with a real gentle touch. When we're going to read the Apocrypha, we're going to read the Pseudepigrapha, we're going to read the Talmud, I don't hold it like I hold the scripture. I hold the scripture differently. The scripture is true. It is truth. Those other things can help me understand a couple of things here. They can give me some perspective, tons of historical background, but they are not the same. So familiarity with the non-canonical can be helpful. If you need help spelling canonical, Chandelier can help you with that. I am almost convinced I did not spell it right in my handwritten notes, so there's that. Uh, and then application number four, lack of knowledge results in bad theology. Like just fundamentally, like there is a repercussion to not knowing God's word. And I would say there are many repercussions to not knowing God's words. So what do we do with that? We'll know God's word and God's power. What, what we do here, what we do here is not an intellectual only process. This has relational impacts as it concerns our God. The more we learn about the beauty and the grandeur and the majesty of our God, the more we are able to devote and commit ourselves to his service. 
the more we can appropriately worship, the more we can appropriately engage in prayer, the more we can appropriately give our lives to his service because he is worthy. God is the resurrection. This is good news. And the Sadducees missed it. So it is possible to miss these things, and it is heartbreaking when it happens. <sighs> been hanging on to this one, Chris, for like four weeks now. It's been building up, so I'm glad to get this one out. All right, so next week, Lord willing, we will start with Mark 12, 28. Uh, the handouts for next week, thank you very much, Rachel, I appreciate that, are on the uh, little table over there. They're also online at OurSundaySchool.com. You can grab those. Uh, so our homework, as it is each week, is to pray, hear, think, talk, share, and invite. I'm so glad you were here. I'm so glad you were here. This is so much fun. And uh, we will move into our prayer time. You've got your weekly updates at the table, so make sure your names are at the bottom of those. Thank you, Dave, for the reminder. Uh, that's how we take attendance. We've got to take attendance again, right? Can't do some random Facebook number of, well, somebody scrolled past the video. I don't know if they saw it or not, but they, you know... So frustrating, so frustrating. All right, so uh, that's the lesson for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for being online. And um, for those of you online, put your comments, put your prayer requests in the comments. And for those of you in the room, make any updates or changes on that weekly update. Have a prayer, time of prayer. And let's try to be out of this room in about five or six minutes so we can go and worship this one who is the resurrection because it changes everything. I'm excited. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.